love you can listen to from Wendy to you. And now, here's Wendy Friesen. Hello, all my beautiful trans junkies. This is podcast number 302, and welcome to today's Stuff for Your Mind that uh, helps change what's happening in your life. I don't know if you are aware, but hypnosis is definitely in the news these days. There is a high school principal who is doing hypnosis on his students. <gasps> Gasp, shock. Actually, though, a very bad thing did happen. And, and we're going to talk about this a little bit because it's not necessarily due to the hypnosis. But anyway, this high school principal um, in Northport High School, the principal's name is George Kenny. And he did hypnosis with his students for things like their athletic performance or nerves or doing better on tests, things like that. Everybody seems to have a really good opinion of him. They seem to like him just fine. Uh, But one of his students that he did hypnosis on the next day committed suicide. So now the question is, did anything that he did to the student have any cause in the suicide? Now, of course, when we talk about hypnosis, um, making you do things. We say that it won't make you do something you wouldn't ordinarily do. And they say that this student was, um, happy. Everything was going fine and no problems in his life. His parents say that he had plans for the future. But after a hypnosis session from George Kenny, the boy the next day, um, killed himself and no explanation and no expectation of it coming. No one saw it coming at all. So, The students who have experienced hypnosis with this principal have said it's a really positive experience, that it's really helped them in school. And those of you who are familiar with hypnosis know that basically what we're doing is giving positive suggestions and helping people to have a different different outlook or to focus on a different attitude or a different emotion. And it's really not complex. And I'll bet you the stuff that he was doing with them was something really basic, which was giving them confidence and imagery and seeing the outcome of um, a sports game or something to that effect. So I just, I don't know. I don't think that he caused it, but the boy did commit suicide the next day. Um, They're trying to find out if there's any connection between the two. And, you know, so far, hopefully they aren't going to be, you know, blaming hypnosis because there's certainly a lot of people who still feel that it's a dark art or it's voodoo or it somehow has the ability to control your mind. You can have big changes happen in your mind and your body with hypnosis. But also, I mean, if I hypnotized all of you and told you that, you know, life is not worth living and that you should go out and end your life right now because there's nothing worth living for your mind would reject that because it doesn't match with anything that you want or anything that you desire. There has to be some desire within you that makes the suggestions have a place to um, be embedded into. You understand? It's not like I can just, you know, take you and say, okay, as of right now, on the count of three, you're going to want to have a sex change operation. (laughs) It wouldn't happen. And I know that you have seen some videos, maybe some Darren Brown videos that show people doing things against their will, maybe, um, like, I think there's one that he does where they take people who believe in God and makes them not believe in God. Well, that's an entirely different kind of a scenario than what is actually done with hypnosis. And while 
If we look at that manipulation as hypnosis, it's a very special sort of um, um, well-edited video event that does you know, look like exactly that is happening. But there's pieces of it that you don't see and that are left out, and it makes it look very different. So hypnosis can't make you commit suicide. It cannot. It doesn't have the power to make you do something that was not even a possibility before. Now, there are things that hypnosis can do to certainly change you in major ways, create massive attitude shifts, but not for the worse. It's not going to make you go into a state of depression. It's not going to make you do something drastic. It's not going to make you jump in front of a bus. There's protection in our mind, and there's a thing called an observer self, and our observer self is something that's been very well documented that is, it's, it's this other part of us that is watching out for us and is alert and aware of what's happening even during a hypnosis session. And so this observer self can potentially keep us safe and keep us from doing something that would be destructive. You know, and there's people that I've had as clients that were depressed and suicidal and, you know, didn't know what to do. And a hypnosis definitely helped them. It helped them change how they were thinking and change them into the wanting to, to thrive and loving life and feeling really solid and sure of themselves in life. Um, but I don't think that anything I could do would have pushed them further the other way, you know, by accident. I just don't think that's possible. So we got more hypnosis in the news. You want more? Oh, it just gets even more interesting. <gasps> Duchess Fergie. Oh, my goodness. The Duchess was hypnotized by her psychiatrist, and it, she revealed <laughs> the deep, dark secret that she still loves her ex-husband. Oh, my. Prince Andrew. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's actually, I mean, it's, it's put out as a press release to be like, oh my God, what a shocker. When in reality, the story is that during a hypnosis session, she revealed that they're still very good friends and they probably shouldn't have gotten divorced and that they still do have feelings for each other. And la di da di da isn't that sweet? And it's all for the purpose of a reality TV show that she's going to be doing. So we get to use hypnosis as the oh, shocker. And another interesting uh, piece of hypnosis in the news is Jessica Alba, the actress. She says she highly recommends hypnobirthing because she gave birth, if I remember it right, she gave birth to one baby uh, with hypnobirthing and really, really liked it a lot, as many women do. And some of you may know that Marshall Silver just uh, had a baby and he's a very well-known hypnotist and his wife, Erica, gave birth last week on Wednesday. Congratulations to both of them. They definitely used hypnobirthing and had the baby at home and had um, a very nice, calm, peaceful birth. So pretty cool, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it is a miracle that we can give birth without the pain and the torture and the screaming and the <laughs> threats. I remember mine well. I wanted to have a natural childbirth, and I did not take any drugs at all while I was giving birth both times. And unfortunately, I did not know anything about hypnosis at the time. So it was a long time ago. And it was a torturous experience. So I'll tell you, here's a, um, a, a hypnotic suggestion that it dramatically affected my birth experience. It wasn't done under hypnosis, but all of you know that we are always able to absorb a suggestion. We are able to be manipulated 
in many ways that we're not aware of on a conscious level. So I was in a Lamaze class, which is like, you know, trying to teach you breathing and focusing. And it could be a form of hypnosis, except it's just, you know, a really lightweight, mamby-pamby kind of way of trying to deal with the pain. But anyway, in the, in the course, the teacher said to us that having a baby is like pooping a watermelon. Okay, so... <laughs> What, what is the first thing you think of when I say pooping a watermelon? <laughs> would, this, would this be a suggestion that somehow alleviates pain or gives you an image of something coming out of you smoothly and easily or um, that allows your body to feel comfortable and at peace? <sighs> no, not so much. So she gave me this suggestion, and this was before my first baby. Well, as I said, when we were talking about the other story is that, you know, a suggestion or an idea in hypnosis doesn't really have a negative effect on you unless there's something that it connects with. For me, this connected because when I was a little kid, and this is, I know, this is going to be too much information. I'm sorry ahead of time. When I was a kid, you know, maybe some of you can relate to this. Um, I did not like to poop. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like anything about it. So I would hold it in for a long time. And when you hold it in, when you finally do go poop, it, it doesn't feel very good. It's, it's kind of like pooping a watermelon. Well, not, maybe not a watermelon, but, um, let's see, <laughs> let's go with an eggplant. I don't know. <laughs> so I went through this in my childhood, just if, a lot of torture when it came to pooping. And I, I know, um, it was very difficult for, myself and for my mother as well. So when the Lamaze instructor said that we would be like pooping a watermelon, this planted a suggestion that was very deep-seated in me from my childhood memories. When I was in labor with my first son, the labor was like, I don't know, 18 hours or something, but the extraordinary part was the pushing. When it came time to push, my body was probably resisting in much the same way that it had resisted as a child trying to avoid the painful feeling of having a bowel movement. And again, I'm sorry for the too much information, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's relevant. It's part of the story. And I pushed, but my body also resisted. And I pushed for three and a half hours, and it was, it was extreme and horrible and torturous after being in labor for 18 hours. And the doctor wanted to help me to have a natural birth, but he was, he finally said after three hours, um, I'm going to have to get forceps. We have to get this baby out because he had been in the birth canal for three hours. And um, at that point, I decided, okay, it's coming out now. And the next push, it came out. And, and it's such an obvious problem of my inner mind deciding that as much as I wanted to get that baby out, I was resisting and my body was holding it in because that's what my body knew how to do. It was really good at that. And it was... Um, trying to avoid the pain of what that Lamaze instructor had said that connected with some very deep traumatic feelings for me as a child. Make sense? So when we do hypnobirthing, uh, the reason that Jessica Alba loves it so much and is recommending it, thank you, Jessica. When we do that, we are creating images inside of the body of how loose and relaxed and totally at peace the body is. We have these imaginary and metaphorical switches that we have that turn off the sensations, the uncomfortable sensations. We create images of this 
of the body opening like a rosebud opening and the petals opening like if you've ever seen like a time-lapse video of a rose opening and it just opens and opens and opens and opens and your body opens and softens and relaxes and the baby flows out of your body and that's what you're practicing before you have your baby is you're practicing the imagery you're practicing those peaceful heavy loose limp feelings in your body now you've seen videos and images of people giving birth um <laughs> with not so pleasant of results i'm sure and you see it dramatized on movies and on tv and it's really extreme and really horrible and it it de- definitely creates those images in your brain of the fear of the pain the fear of the process the uh, way that you should act and you should feel when giving birth. When in fact, it doesn't have to be like that. Now, I wish I had known, because I'll tell you what, man, going through a difficult birth, you just, you'd rather be dead. It's not a good feeling. So in hypnobirthing, and um, my apologies if I'm using the hypnobirthing phrase um, incorrectly because I know that does belong to Marie Mongan and she teaches that under that trademark but um, a hypnosis birth is something that involves your mind your body and everything and being completely loose and limp and relaxed which is the exact opposite of how women usually give birth their body is usually in so much tension and the stress hormones and the adrenaline and everything is just running so high and the body is just as tight as it can be when we're trying to get the body to open and soften and loosen up to let the baby out. So when we do the hypnosis birth, the body is loose and limp. The The mother is aware. She is aware of what's happening in the room. She can choose to either close her eyes and relax and be, you know, kind of floating around in dreamland, or she can choose to have her eyes open, still be aware of what's happening, converse with anyone in the room while her body is still completely loose and limp and relaxed. Make sense? So one of the births that I attended was a home birth with midwives, and my client was in a water um, tub in her house. And when she when she did the hypnosis birth, she chose to not move at all for I was there for like the last three hours of it maybe four hours and she did not move you could not tell she was in labor it was just amazing but she chose the whole time just to be in that calm serene peaceful state now she wasn't listening to uh my my sessions on headphones she had me right there beside her so I would touch her shoulder and remind her body to relax and feel the warmth of that water and how her body was just opening and her cervix and her birth canal was just everything opening. And so the midwives at one point said, well, we can't tell if she's in labor. We need to know how far apart her contractions are. We can't tell. And you couldn't tell. This was so amazing. Her, she didn't bat an eye literally or figuratively. (laughs) Nothing moved. I mean, her face did not even flinch. There was just nothing. So I touched her on the shoulder and said, when a contraction starts, go ahead and lift your finger one time. When the contraction's over, go ahead and lift it again. And so then we could tell she was having contractions very close together and she was getting ready to go through transition. Now, those of you who have had babies naturally, you know the transition. And you could not tell she was in transition. And then she said, she, she just lay in there in the water and opened her eyes and said, I'm ready to push. She closed her eyes. She had two pushing contractions, 
and baby floated out. And most of the hypnobirthing, hypnosis for childbirth sort of trainers, um, they say that the births they attend, the babies just float out. If you've ever read any articles about hypnosis for childbirth, the babies do come out very easily, which is really good news for any of you who are thinking about having a baby and you're thinking about using hypnosis. Great news. Yes, yes, indeed. Oh, it's a different experience for the doctors. And sometimes if you use it in the hospital, the doctor will be convinced that you're not that far along. They base a lot of it on how you're experiencing the contractions. If they don't think the contractions are hurting enough or aren't intense enough, they'll figure that you're not that far along and they'll go, you know, to the coffee shop and go hang out with their other doctor friends for a while and come back later. So hypnosis births go very quickly, generally a lot less hours of labor. And the babies are born in a really peaceful environment, which is the best part of a hypnosis birth is instead of, you know, the tension and the sounds and the, the hormonal changes and the adrenaline and everything that baby is filled with at the moment of birth and leading up to it, instead, this baby is born with beautiful music with the mother's body being blissful and at peace and loose and limp and relaxed and so on and so forth. Yep, there's nothing like it. It is definitely a good thing. So, what else? Mm-hmm. It's another article that is like bombshell. Hypnosis is a useful therapy for many problems. I'll be darned. If I could open this page, I would tell you about it. <laughs> it's funny to me when hypnosis is in the news because, you know, I'm involved in it all the time. Um, That I guess for people in general public, you know, it's always like, whoa, really? Psychology article about hypnosis being useful therapy for many problems. And it is. It is miraculous. You know, one of the most interesting stories that I have with a client is one who was um, in her early 20s. She had fainted every time she went into a doctor's office. And what she wanted to do was get pregnant and have a baby. Um, And she just couldn't do that because she says, every time I walk into a doctor's office, as soon as I see the doctor, like I'm in the room of the doctor's room, as soon as a doctor comes in, I just pass out. And I don't understand why, and it's happened for as long as I can remember. This one was a pretty interesting case because what I did, what I do with a lot of my clients is I have them regress to cause. That means you're regressing to the cause of the problem. And basically, someone's in um, trance and you have them go back to the time when they felt this very first feeling. So in her case, we were having her go back to feeling the exact same thing she felt when she would pass out. And it was fascinating because she's laying there and she went back to that moment, but she was experiencing being unconscious. So she couldn't talk. She couldn't tell me what was going on. So I touched her on the shoulder and I said, when I touch your shoulder, you'll stay right there, but you'll be able to tell me what's happening and you'll be able to observe what you're experiencing and describe it. And she says, I just, I feel really heavy. My body feels extremely heavy. And I don't know what's happening, but I can't see. Everything's black and my body is just heavy. So as she told me about this and the scenario unfolded, she said that it was, she was very small. Um, She felt that she was very, very young, like she had just been born. 
and she described this feeling of just being unconscious. So I had her go back before that happened. Say, so go back just a little bit in that moment to before you, you felt this heaviness and darkness. So she goes back before that. And of course, you, you, the way that I asked it, I'm not suggesting that she go back to a point like around her birth or, or anything that would be leading her to imagine or invent some scenario. So I say, well, just go back before you experience that heaviness and that darkness. So now she goes back and she's describing in great detail her experience of being born. And I know there's a lot of controversy about whether or not we actually have these memories from our birth. But hypnotherapists have some really extraordinary experiences. And even, oh, there's, um, there's a book called Babies Remember Birth where they've done just great research that shows these details that people as adults remember from their birth and they will then verify those details and those accounts of their birth. So she goes back to a point where she's now describing her birth and she's born and then she says, oh, it's happening, it's happening, I can feel it, this darkness, this heaviness, and you can see her body just go limp and re-experience that exact feeling. So then I ask her to stay as an observer and notice what's happening. So now she's saying that she doesn't know how much time has elapsed, but she still is just dark and heavy, but she feels as if she's being taken away from wherever she was, that she's been moved somewhere. And I said, can you have your observer self find out what's going on in that room. So she describes the doctors and the people that are working in there, or the, you know, assistants, nurses, whoever's there. She described each one and she started describing them and how they looked. And, um, at some point she was saying that she was, she could kind of see now it was blurry and, and she felt her body was kind of now able to move a little bit because she came back to, but no sense of really how long of a period of time this was. And she had a sense that it had been a, f- a fairly long period of time that she had been unconscious. So this apparently is the thing that made her pass out in a doctor's office. I mean, it's, it's quite an extraordinary connection that that experience did that to her and stuck with her all of her life up until she came to see me in her early 20s. It was amazing. So we worked through that experience, and we had her bring her adult self into that scenario, make sure that she knew that the baby was going to be safe, was not going to die, that baby was going to live and live a beautiful life, and she then held that baby, and she changed the emotions around the memory. So instead of fear, and instead of that that trigger that was creating the need to faint or pass out, she was now creating something totally different that was a different emotional um, set of experiences around that event of her birth. Make sense? Well, oh, and the result was she didn't faint anymore when she went to the doctor. And then she did write me like a year later. She says, I'm pregnant. I've been going to the doctor. I'm totally fine. It's really exciting. My husband and I are so excited. Um, She went and asked her mom about her birth because she had never known anything about her birth. So after having this experience and describing some of like the doctor in the room and who was there and what was happening, she asked her mom about it. Her mom told her that very shortly after she was born, she had gone unconscious and they took her away and she was gone for about six hours. 
and they were working on her. And um, I don't know how long or what part of that she was unconscious, but uh, she definitely had that experience. And then her mom and her were talking about who was in that room, and um, it was pretty interesting that she described the doctor and she described some of the other people close enough that her mom was like, really? Oh, my gosh. So it was quite fascinating. (sighs) And, you know, the end result was that she didn't faint anymore at the doctor. So that's how, as a hypnotherapist, that's how we know that we got to the actual initial event that created the problem. And this initial event creates all kinds of problems. And with hypnosis for birth, one of the things you want to do is you want to resolve any of your own fears about birth, anything you've been taught, anything that was handed down to you that is about getting your badge of honor as a woman, you know, by having this horrendous birth. Women tend to talk about and glorify their experiences of birth in regards to the level of pain and how much they wanted to shoot themselves, how much they wanted to kill everyone in the room. And and are very graphic about what happened in their birth experiences. And so you hear a few of those, especially if you're having a baby shower, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, we tell you all our birth experiences. And what is your brain supposed to do? Knowing what we know about how the brain works, it's going to set up this entire scenario of what a birth should look like and feel like and how you should experience it emotionally and the things that it should trigger in you, negative and horrible and awful things. And yet, no time is spent creating any other scenario about having a beautiful, blissful, peaceful experiencing and allowing this baby to have a birth that really gives it the beautiful, peaceful entry into the world um, and allowing your body to not resist and not have that pain and that struggle. So that's what hypnosis for birthing will do. It will get you prepared for it. And get you to the point where you feel like, okay, I think I can do this. A lot of the women that I've done this with, they weren't sure that they could do it. They did the training with me, but they weren't positive. And they said, oh, what if it doesn't work for me? I don't think it'll work for me. So even though they had that feeling, when they had the birth, if they had prepared properly, they did fine. And their body responded just the way that they imagined. They continued to listen to the CDs and they had a really good, pleasant birth with a shorter labor and not a lot of pushing. So one of my clients that was doing the hypnosis for birth practice with me, she went in for a stress test. And during the stress test, they actually make you go into labor to have a certain amount of contractions. So maybe she was having maybe 15 minutes of contractions while they test the condition of the baby under that stress. And the purpose is um, to find out if the baby can continue to go, you know, however many more weeks that it needs to go. So in her stress test, she was having actual contractions because they give you Pitocin to um, trigger the contractions. She wasn't feeling them, though. And they were kind of baffled about why she wasn't feeling the contractions because she was doing her hypnosis birthing stuff that she had learned with me. And she decided, okay, I'm going to get myself out of trance so that I'm in a normal state. And instantly she felt the pain of the contractions and, uh, and had like this intense, you know, painful experience. And then she (laughs) said, I didn't like that so much. So I decided I put myself back in trance. And so she did. And then she felt only pressure. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. Oh my gosh. I just love it. 
Well, I know that you uh, may know someone who's going to have a baby or you may be pregnant yourself and you might want to spread the word. You might want to make sure that you're not perpetuating any of the stories. If you're a mom who has given birth, that you don't continue to create any images of pooping a watermelon (laughs) or tell your horror stories so that you don't influence someone to have a difficult birth. But do enlighten people about what's possible with hypnosis for birth. Oh, I remember one other thing that I remember when I was taking the training um, for hypnobirthing. The Laotian women, when they come to this country, the nurses in the hospital say, in particular, these Laotian women, they have births that are not like, you know, screaming, tear your hair out, give me a gun and let me shoot myself kind of births. The Laotian women have been taught and have passed down from their mothers to their daughters that their birth will indeed be a peaceful experience, that it will be something that is, you know, gentle and natural and such. So because of this training and this expectation in their culture, and maybe because they're such a shielded culture that they're not exposed to, you know, TV and movies and all that, they have very peaceful births and... And then they come to this country and they seem to do just fine until they've been here a little while. And so the nurses had shared with us that once they've been here a while, they're conditioned to our American way of birth and they have more um, intense and painful births. And their daughters, if their daughters are a generation where they grew up here, uh, they seem to have painful births. Interesting, huh? So much of how we react or we experience things is based on the input we're given and on our expectations. So if you think about, you know, birth in particular and all the images that are running through your mind right now of what you see in the movies and on TV and the stories you're told, how many stories do you have that negate that experience in any way? So this is not just about birthing, is it? It could certainly be about experiencing anything in your life. If you have test anxiety and you go to a support group that's for test anxiety, I don't even know if those exist, but if you did, and all they talked about was having test anxiety, and all they talked about were just the horrible, torturous, you know, uh, blackouts that they had, or they can't answer any questions, and they fail all their tests, and they just throw up beforehand, and if you went to a group that that's what you talk about, that's probably what you're going to expect to have happen. How are you going to expect anything else to happen other than that, right? If you go to a support group that is for um, phobias or fibromyalgia or migraines or whatever it is, you go to that support group and all that you're experiencing and all that you're immersing yourself in is the negative experiences, I know that there's probably something that is redeeming in those support groups that they're trying to give you strategies to cope. However, you're sitting there and you're listening to everyone's stories and their fears and you're bonding over this. And you're you're creating connections and love and friendship over the fact that you both have these horrible phobias or that you have test anxiety or that you have some you know, you have migraines all your life and that bond becomes very strong and you are accepted into that support group because of the dramatic effects that your disability has had in your life, right? Yeah? Okay, if any of you have been to support groups, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 
So we got to surround ourselves with what we do want to have happen with the, with the experience we want to expect to happen. You can, you know, you can try to do that in real life, but you can also do it with hypnosis and you can put yourself in trance, get your body relaxed and imagine that you're experiencing the very thing that you do want to experience. So I, I said, test anxiety. If you only have the imagination and visual um, triggers and the physical sensations of having test anxiety, and every time you think about taking a test, that's what you start to feel. How are you going to feel anything else? If you have a phobia of something and the only thing that you can think of when you think about that phobia, like it's a phobia of snakes, and all you can think about and imagine when you think about snakes is like, ah, oh my God, I'm going to die. And your heart starts pounding and such. How are you going to have any different experience or any different outcome? So I hope that makes sense to you. I'm not saying support groups are all bad, but they're pretty bad. <laughs> it's not that you shouldn't be part of a support group, but just be aware that sitting there and immersing yourself and infusing your brain and your body with those stories grows the neural networks in your brain that look for all the emotional experiences, all the fears, all the visuals, all the physical sensations, everything that supports that horrible negative state. And it grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And those neural networks get more fortified every time you imagine or think about that. So your brain doesn't care if you're thinking about the fear, the anger, the, the physical sensations that are just make you weak and scared and tremble with fear or whatever. It doesn't care. It, it will grow neural networks in whatever direction that you decide to experience and focus on most of the time. And you've probably heard that what you think about most of the time is what you'll become. What you focus on expands. Thoughts are things. That's right. They are. Yes. <laughs> really, truly. And the things that they are are these neural networks, these neurons in your brain that are going like, oh, we're supposed to feel this way? Well, let's get busy. Now, remember that your brain does not know the difference between a real and an imagined event, right? They've done some brain scans to prove this now. They had people remembering an event, something real that happened and showed what part of their brain was lighting up. And then they had them imagine something they had never done, but they were imagining it happening in the future. And it looks like it stores that future memory in the same place that it stores the real memories. So we're getting closer to having the science that proves this stuff that says your brain doesn't know the difference between a real and imagined event, except that you do. You know, if you have never skydived before, you know for a fact that you've never skydived. And if I put you in trance and I have you imagine that you're skydiving and you're feeling all the feelings and all that, and then I bring you out of the trance, you still know that you didn't go skydiving for real, don't you? Yes. So what's up with that? Well, what it is is that the brain, in its experience of imagining it and and all of the sensory experiences that it had while you were just imagining it happening, your brain was not caring whether it was real or imagined. It was growing neural networks. It was growing these neurons and helping them connect up all the emotions, the experiences, the, the excitement and the feeling of freedom as you jumped out of the plane and the like, oh, exhilaration. But it actually grew a neural network that, and this is the part 
that I, I hope brings it all home. It grew this neural network that said, I don't care if you really experience this or not. As a brain, I'm going to go ahead and accept this as real, and I'm going to act on this and grow these neurons together that support the experience of skydiving. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, good. Now, where this is really important is for you to understand how much you can create a negative experience by continuing to focus on it when... The <laughs> To bring it on home, when the lady in the Lamaze class said to us, having a baby is like pooping a watermelon, <laughs> my brain didn't really care if I had never pooped a watermelon. It created the visuals, the imagined physical sensations, and all of the things that went along with that, and it, you know, it applied it to the experience that I was possibly going to have. So, so there you have it. Oh. It's amazing what we can do if we just get our brain to focus on what we do want. So remember to think about what you want, that your thoughts really are things, and how much time do you want to spend dwelling on the negative, the fear, having that crappy negative self-talk sneak into your brain and just uh, annihilate you. So remember to keep correcting. We're not going to just wave a magic wand and make everything change instantly. Well, we could, but we're, we're going to make you work for a little bit. Keep correcting your course. When you notice a negative thought sneaking into your brain, whether it's about birth or taking tests or having migraines or whatever it is that you're struggling with, just stop and be aware of it. Just notice it. And then when you notice it, take a breath and go, wait, here's what I do want. So I don't want you to fight the thought and push it away and try to like, you know, do something to, to squelch it. I want you just to acknowledge it feels so much better, doesn't it? Just acknowledge it and then bring in the thought you do want to have and don't say, oh no, I don't want to think that. That's terrible. Wendy said I should never think about that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Acknowledge it. Take the breath and just say to yourself, here's what I do want. And then bring that image, that thought and that feeling into your mind into your body, and you feel just lovely. All right, well, I'm Wendy Friesen, and I am your hypnotist, your trance master, the infuser of thoughts into your mind that will help you have a happier and more joyful life, and that's what we want, don't we? Thanks for being here. It's been awesome being with you. I hope that all of you go out and spread the word, change your thoughts, smile a little bit, take more deep breaths, and feel the love. It's been wonderful spending time with you. You have an absolutely fantastic day. Bye-bye. Now, if you're ready to really relax, take a moment to pay attention to your body. Take a slow, deep breath in all the way deep into your belly. Good, and let it all the way out. Let that tension and stress melt from your body. Let your shoulders relax. Feel all the muscles melting and letting go. Take this time for yourself to really feel how good it is to relax deeper and deeper. And as the muscles in your face relax, let your eyes close. Go inside for just a minute. Feel what it is that you need right now. 
feel as you breathe? What do you want to pay attention to today? What is it that you'd like to create and experience? Breathe it. Hear it and feel it right now. Good. Good. 